Would you turn with me to the book of Titus, and I will pray for us as we now turn to God's Word. Thank you. Thank you. I will pray for the kids right now. Thanks. Kids, would you stand up? Lord, we thank you for these children that you've given to us. We pray as they go to their class right now that you would teach them about who they are and about who you are and about how you have come to to rescue them. And Lord, I pray that they would come to know that today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you kids as you go to your class. And Father, we pray that as we hear from your word right now, God, that you would speak to each one of us. And wherever we are, whatever we need to hear from you today, Lord, that you would speak that word. Lord, I pray that you would use whatever words of mine uh, to really become your words for your people. So give us good ears to hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So a few years back, we walked through the book of Ecclesiastes. Do you remember that? That was actually one of the most fun times I've ever had preaching. In all the 15, 16 years I've had preaching, I really enjoyed walking through that book. And so just to remind you today, I think some of the teaching that we, um, that we did during that time will really help us as we think about our theme today. In the book, the book of Ecclesiastes is written by someone who calls himself the teacher. And the teacher in that book, in this very stark and jarring sort of way, tells us about the harsh and disappointing realities of life. The teacher tells us the truth about life, what he says, what he calls as life under the sun. Life under the sun. The teacher intentionally writes this book with blinders on. He only looks horizontally. He evaluates human life under the sun, and it's not very encouraging. He sees how frustrating our work is, how disappointing our relationships are. He's really annoyed at the fact that sometimes bad things happen to really good people and that good things happen to bad people. He comes face to face and makes us come face to face with the absolute certainty and reality of our deaths. And he's brutally honest about the fact that our life here simply isn't fair. The teacher tells us the truth from the perspective of life under the sun. And this is very important, that he only evaluates the world as if he can see what's happening around him under the sun. The teacher concludes if we are really honest about our experience in the world, if we open our eyes and really deal with life under the sun, then we will see that all of it is meaningless. And he begins the entire book by saying, meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. Okay, about four or five years ago, we went through Ecclesiastes. Do you remember the word for meaningless that we talked about then? Hevel, good job. Good job. And do you remember, in addition to meaning meaningless, what else can that word mean in Hebrew? Vapor, brief, or smoke. Okay, so this right here, this is hevel. It's hevel. Just look at it for a minute. How long is this going to last? Not very long. Can you control this? 
can you make this go where you want it to go? No. And it's kind of meaningless. It just kind of goes wherever it wants. That right there is a picture of Hevel. And this is how the teacher describes our life under the sun, as Hevel. This is what life here is like. It's a powerful image. We can't control it. We can't make it do what we want it to do. It's quickly passing. It's a vapor. It's here one moment, and then it's gone the next. We can't manage it. We can't make it do what we want. And so the teacher, as he limits his observations about life here under the sun, he limits those observations to only things that he can see and touch, things that he can dissect and measure under the sun. And because of that, the teacher, I think intentionally, doesn't see the whole picture. Everything the teacher tells us is true, but there is more to the story because there is a reality beyond the sun that breaks into our world. And that reality is what the rest of the Bible is all about. The good news of the rest of Scripture, the good news of the gospel, is that there is life beyond the sun. God is beyond the sun, and we can come to know him. God's plans and purposes for our life come from beyond the sun, and we can come to know them by his grace. And there is life that exists that we can experience now. Even as we live under the sun, we can experience a life from beyond the sun now. The teacher is right. Life under the sun is hevel. It is fleeting. It is temporary. It is meaningless. It is absurd. We cannot control it. We cannot manage it. But the rest of the Bible tells us that eternal life is available to us from the creator who made the sun. And that our creator God sent Jesus from beyond the sun to come and to rescue us from the hevel of our world and to invite us into an eternal kind of life. A life that is permanent, that will last forever, that is full of meaning and purpose for everyone who will receive it. That's the good news of the gospel. That life here under the sun is hevel, it's meaningless, but that God has come from beyond the sun to rescue us from it. Amen? So let's look at Titus chapter 1, 1 through 4. Titus chapter 1, 1 through 4. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. And at his appointed season, he brought his word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Paul begins his letter to his young friend and protege, Titus, by saying that we have a message of the knowledge of eternal life. Followers of Jesus go with the message of eternal life. Followers of Jesus are called to live with an eternal perspective. 
And so Titus has been called to be a a leader of the church here on the island of Crete. And as I mentioned last week, the the people of Crete were, were ruthless people. They were known as liars and tricksters. So much so that it became common, a common insult throughout the Roman Empire to be called a Cretan. The Cretans didn't know about this thing called eternal life. They only knew about life under the sun. Life was about getting what you want, when you want it, in any way that you want it. And so if you had to lie and to cheat and to steal to get those things, then that's what you did on the island of Crete. And so Paul is writing to Titus, and he's saying to them, as followers of Jesus, that followers of Jesus on this island must live with a different perspective, an eternal perspective. Life under the sun is not all that there is. There is more to this life than we can see with our eyes. There is a life that exists after death, and there is more that exists now that we can receive, even if we can't perceive it and touch it with our hands, or see it with our eyes and touch it with our hands. The good news of the Bible and the gospel of Jesus is that knowledge of eternal life is available to everyone. And because we have this knowledge of eternal life, because we can live with this eternal perspective, we don't have to live like Cretans. We can live like Christians. We can live like little Christs. Live like Jesus. So Paul says to Titus that he has this message. It's a message of eternal life. And he tells Titus that he is there on the island of Crete to teach others about eternal life and what it looks like to live our lives with this eternal perspective. So today we're going to talk about eternal life and some of what the Bible teaches us about what eternal life is is all about. When the Bible talks about eternal life, there are a couple different nuances to this idea. In some places, when the Bible talks about eternal life, it's about something that we are waiting for. It's about something that we hope for, something that's coming in the future. It's a life that we will experience later and that will go on forever and ever. It's a life that will never end. And in other places, the Bible talks about eternal life as a present reality, as something that we have already received and that enables us to live a certain kind of life, a certain quality of life, because we have received eternal life. And so to to put it plainly, in the Bible, eternal life both refers to a quantity of life, a life that goes on forever and ever, and also a certain quality of life, a way of life, a quantity of life and a quality of life. And as followers of Jesus, we are invited to live our lives now with eternal life as our perspective, knowing that we are going to live forever and ever, and to know also that there's a certain quality of life that's available to us that's called eternal life. And we're going to talk about both of those two things today. So first of all, let's talk about this idea of a quantity of life with the knowledge that you and I are going to live forever. I introduced you a minute ago to my friend Andy. Andy is here, and his kids are a bit older than mine. They're both teenagers. And so he's been enjoying specifically my son Abe, who's five, and his son Joel is 14, 15, 
And so he keeps reminding me all weekend, enjoy this time. (laughs) This time is short. Enjoy this time. And he's been remembering back to his time with Joel when Joel was five and six years old and remembering about how short that is. The older that we get, the more we realize how short this life is. Those of you who are teenagers, who are in your 20s, you do have this sense that your life is long. You've got a long way to go. You're still going to get married. You're still going to find a career. There's a lot that's in front of you. But talk to anyone in here that's older than me, and they will tell you it's short. It's fast. And the fact that life is short, and the teacher of Ecclesiastes tells us that, and a lot of the Bible tells us and reminds us that life is short, that fact causes different kinds of responses from different people. From some people in the world who don't have an eternal perspective, it means to soak it all up and get as much pleasure and enjoyment out of it as you can. What does the teacher say? Eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow you die. And so there's some people who live that way, who don't have an eternal perspective, and they come to the realization at some point in their life that life is short, and so they begin to live for pleasure and for enjoyment because it's short. Why suffer? Why do the hard things when some pleasure is in front of me? For other people, though, the shortness of life causes them to despair, to realize and to have that feeling of the teacher at the very beginning of Ecclesiastes that it's all so meaningless. The shortness of life helps them to see, I'm not going to accomplish anything, I'm not going to be able to do the things that I want, and it causes them to despair, and so life becomes meaningless. And certainly most of us at some point in our life live somewhere on that continuum in between those two things. Well, friends, I just want to say here at the beginning That as followers of Jesus, we need to remember that we're going to live forever. To reckon with the reality that our life will not end. To realize that our life here under the sun is short, but that we have been given eternal life. Life that goes on forever and ever. Friends, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are going to live forever. So just let that sink in for a moment. You are going to live forever. I think that so many of our problems in life, so much of our sinning in this life, is because we forget that we're going to live forever. And we're afraid that because life is so short that we're going to miss out on something. And so we grab some pleasure, grab something that doesn't belong to us. We grasp what isn't ours. We seek out forbidden pleasures. We steal from others. We hoard. We desire things that don't belong to us. We're jealous of what other people have. We're fearful of losing our stuff or losing our life. And so we spend money and time and energy protecting our life and our stuff because we're afraid to lose it. I think much of our sin is because we're afraid that this life is short and we're going to miss out on something. And so we grab it. 
Jim Elliott has that famous phrase, that young missionary who was martyr for his faith in South America, that famous quote, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. And so many of our sinful actions have to do with the opposite of gaining things that we can't keep rather than seeking the things that we can never lose. Friends, as believers in Jesus, we're going to live forever. There is no pleasure that we can have now that we will not experience with an even greater and more perfect intensity in the presence of God. Eternal life means that you're going to live forever. You don't have to be afraid of losing your life because you can't lose it. It's safe with Jesus. You don't have to be afraid of losing out on some pleasure because eternal pleasure is waiting for you forever. You don't have to be jealous of other people's stuff because there are treasures, eternal treasures, in heaven waiting for you that you will enjoy forever. So how, how would your life be different if you lived moment by moment conscious of the fact that you're going to live forever? How would that perspective change the suffering and the trial that you're going through right now? How would that, as Paul calls it, this light and momentary trial be transformed in the light of the fact that you're going to live forever? How would that perspective change the way that you use your money? How would that perspective change what gets your attention and your time and your energy right now? How would it change your perspective on all of these trials that you're facing in your life? We are called to live our lives with this perspective, that our life here under the sun is very short. And so we may be tempted to eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Because if we think that that's all available to us, that's what we're going to grab. But it is not. Our lives our suffering, the things that we desire and pursue, all of those things take on a different perspective when we reckon with the fact that we're going to live forever. And so Paul begins this letter to Titus by reminding him that we have knowledge of the hope of eternal life. Titus, the people of Crete do not know about eternal life, about a life that does not end. And you are there on that island to tell them about this good news that is available to them. Brothers and sisters, your neighbors in Fort Wayne, your neighbors throughout the U.S. do not know about eternal life, about a life that does not end. And you are here in this time and in this place to tell them this good news, that eternal life is available to them. So eternal life also is about a particular quality of life particular quality of life that we are invited to enter into right now. Not something that we're simply waiting for and hoping for, but also something that is available to us right now. The gospel writer John, as he wrote his gospel and as he wrote his letters in particular, spoke a lot about the reality and the availability of eternal life. And so he reminds us that, in, uh, that John said these kinds of words, or that Jesus said these kinds of words. What did Jesus say? eternal life is. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, not will have eternal life, but has eternal life and will not be judged, but has already crossed over from death into life. 
Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. You have already crossed over from death into life. Later in John 17, he says this, I pray that you would have eternal life, and this is eternal life, to live forever and ever and ever. No, that's not what he says, not here anyways. He says this, to have eternal life is this, to know the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one he sent. In one of John's letters, he says this, 1 John, God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Eternal life is not only about having an infinite amount of time at our disposal. Eternal life is being in relationship with an infinite and good and loving God. Eternal life is knowing God and being in relationship with him. This is what Jesus said eternal life is, to know God. And this eternal life is not only something that we're waiting for for the future, but something that we are called, we are called to enjoy and to experience right now. The great tragedy of, of our sin, of humanity's sin, is that it causes this division between us and God. We were made for eternal life with God. We were made to know God, and our sin separates us from knowing Him. When Adam and Eve sinned and they were, they were banished from the Garden of Eden, the tragedy there was not that they lost a really pretty place to live in. The tragedy was that they lost access to the presence of God. And so right now, through faith in Jesus, you are invited to experience and enjoy eternal life right now, to know God, to come to know and experience Him through the presence of His Spirit that He gives to us. As I mentioned last week, I've been, been reading and listening to um, one of my favorite teachers, Dallas Willard, and he has this really simple way of, of reminding us that the Christian life is not about getting into heaven after you die but about getting into heaven before you die. To begin to live and to experience that eternal kind of life right now. So let's hear how Paul describes the kind of life, the kind of quality of life that comes before eternal life, the kind of life that leads to death, and then how he also describes the eternal quality of life that we're invited into. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. Actually, I'm going to uh, first read... Uh, just verse 3, Titus chapter 3, verse 3. This is a, as a description of the life that we live before we receive the eternal life that's available to us. He says, At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, and this is awful. Being hated and hating one another. This is a description of a life that leads to death. This is a dead kind of life. Foolish, deceived, enslaved. Relationships that are characterized by malice and jealousy and envy. Relationships that are characterized by hatred for one another. 
This describes people whose, whose bodies may be alive, but they're not experiencing life. They may be breathing, their bodies may be functioning, but they aren't experiencing the kind of life that God intended for us to live. And so, verse 4 tells us that we were rescued from that kind of life. Verse 4, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. He rescued us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, inheritors, having the hope of eternal life. Paul says that there was a time when we were foolish and blind and deceived and that our life was characterized by hatred and division and death. But God himself made himself known to us. And that knowledge rescued us from that kind of life and brought us into a new kind of life, an eternal life. And so much of the book of Titus is written to describe what an eternal kind of life looks like. I'm just going to read a few verses starting in chapter 2, verse 11. I'm going to read down through chapter 3, verse 2. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, people who are eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority and do not let anyone despise you. But remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility toward all people. That is a description of the eternal kind of life that we are being invited into that's in contrast to the death kind of life that he describes in verse 3. It's a life that's, that's marked by the knowledge of God that leads to love and care and concern for our neighbor. These first few verses of Paul's letter to Titus, it tells us that we can have real knowledge as followers of Jesus. The life of following Jesus is not daily taking blind leaps of faith. The life of following Jesus is a life that leads in time to knowledge, to real knowledge about God to real knowledge about what this world is all about, to real knowledge about life in this world and how we are to relate to one another. As we said last week, the Bible also tells us that we can't allow this knowledge to make us proud or to puff us up, but instead to remember that our knowledge is limited, that we always only know in part, like a poor reflection in a dirty mirror. So while it's certainly true that we can't know everything that there is to know about eternal life, what I want to say to you is that we know everything that we need to know about eternal life right now. And what we need to know is this, that for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, 
from beyond the sun so that whoever believes in him will not die, but will have eternal life. God, who made the sun, has rescued us from the hevel nature of life under the sun. Our life here does not have to be only frustrating and meaningless and absurd. Our life here can be an eternal kind of life, a life lived with the perspective that we're going to live forever and ever and ever, and that through Jesus we can right now live an eternal life, which means knowing God and knowing the kind of life that he has called human beings to live. When we're faced with this sobering truth that our life is short— You do not have to resign yourself to despair and to live a philosophy of eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. We are given an eternal perspective through the gospel of Jesus. Where I'm able to realize that my my life here in this body is short, but that I'm actually never going to die. That when my body gives up, that one day, in that moment, the death of this body will be merely a passing over a threshold into a life that I've already been living together with God. And so the sufferings in this life are actually preparing me. There is a continuity between the life that I'm living now and the life that we are going to live later. And so the sufferings in this life are actually preparing me for something later. That this life is training for a life of responsibility and purpose forever and ever as we reign together with God. Eternal life, a life right now of knowing God that will last forever is available to each one of you today. And here is how you enter into it. We enter into it by placing our faith, our trust in Jesus. By trusting him in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, and saying that his life, in his death, and his resurrection are going to be what I live my life by. By believing that he is the one who has come to rescue us from death and to bring us into eternal life. And when we believe that, we receive forgiveness. That sin that I said earlier separates us from God, separates us from knowing him, that can be forgiven and covered over so that we can again enjoy the presence of God and come to know him again. And so if you have never made that decision to believe in Jesus today, in Jesus, and you can receive forgiveness today, and that you can, as Jesus said, pass from death into life, and to begin to live a life that is not hevel, but that has meaning and purpose and is the beginning of a life that is going to last forever. That's what we are invited into when we receive Jesus as Lord. It's the life that Paul wanted Titus to tell the church about, to remind the church about what Titus wanted the people of Crete to know about, that this eternal life is available. It's what we are called to know today It's what we're called to tell those around us, that this eternal life is available through Jesus. Let's pray. God in heaven, I pray that you would remind us of some of the sobering realities of life. Some of us are going through our own suffering, our own feelings of hopelessness and meaningless and frustration right now. We are experiencing the reality that the teacher tells us about. That life here under the sun is frustrating. It's difficult. It's full of trial. 
And so, Lord, would you remind us that you have come to rescue us from this and that we can begin to know today you and your plans and your purposes for us today and forever. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.